Terry and Jesse show. My partner Terry is out doing apostolic work. The Terry and Jesse show, it's a blue-collar Catholic radio program. It's high energy. Uh, hopefully, we're trying to help people fall in love with God. We're trying to save souls. And we're trying to slay error as, uh, as we see what's happening in our culture. Uh, remember, our program is not right versus left. It's right versus wrong. And I'm reporting for duty. couple things I want to talk about right now. For those of you that enjoy this program, you can support the show by sharing the full by sharing the full show link at vmpr.org. You can also find us on social media at VMP Radio and our YouTube channel called Full Sheen Ahead. Share us with your friends and evangelize everybody that you love. Remember the month of April is dedicated to both to devotion to the Holy Eucharist and devotion to the Holy Spirit as well want to remind you that those of you that would like to come to the Holy Land with me, I would love to hang out with you for nine days in the land where Jesus walked, the land where God walked. If you'd like to go to the Holy Land with me and Father Dave Nix, go to my website, jesseromero.com. The flyer is there. It's on the front page, Holy Land, uh, where Jesus walked with myself and Father Dave Nix, also my pastor who's a retired military He's a retired, retired military major. Uh, he had a full career in the military as a Catholic priest. Uh, he's also going to be with us. It's going to be a, an incredible trip. It'll be for us. Uh, it, it's it's life-changing. It's, it's what people call going to the Holy Land. It's called the fifth gospel. I also got a bit of good news. I got an email from these Catholic Christian bikers, these bikers for Jesus, and they told me that they're going to head on over this weekend over at the the Satanic Conference, which is in Boston, the Boston Marriott Copley Place, the 28th, 29th, and 30th. Uh, we're going to have a lot of Catholics out there doing a prayerful, peaceful rally of prayers of reparation. A lot of lay Catholics will be out there. The Temple of Satan is dedicating the the city of Boston, Massachusetts, to Satan. And uh, they're also bragging that it's the largest satanic gathering in history over in Boston, Massachusetts. They're going to have satanic entertainment, satanic rituals, a satanic wedding chapel for people that want to get married with the Church of Satan. They're going to have a a satanic marketplace where you can buy satanic anti-sacramentals. These satanists are completely out of the closet and they're on the offense. They're on the attack. And most Catholics, including a lot of our bishops, are just yawning. They're asleep on duty. And instead of being those watchmen in the walls of Jerusalem, warning us about the approaching enemy, the temple of Satan is bragging, in fact, that they've uh, sold out. They sold out weeks ago. They sold out within about a week once they opened it up. There's a, a, a friend of mine by the name of Catholic Lay, he's a Catholic lay leader. His, his name's Kenneth Murphy. If you want to assist Kenneth Murphy uh, and be a, a prayer warrior Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, he could assign you the times. Go to his email, send him an email. It's bostonreparation at gmail.com. Bostonreparation at gmail.com. Bostonreparation at gmail.com. My friend Kenneth Murphy, who is the tip of the spear, he's a lay leader uh, this weekend. And uh, a lot of us here in Arizona and many other parts of the country, we're going to be praying for you Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, from 12 noon to 3 p.m. 
Also, another bit of good news. Somebody emailed me. He's a, a Catholic biker. It's called Catholic Crossbearers Motorcycle Ministry. A gentleman said, Jesse, I heard you on Station of the Cross, the Boston affiliate, and I was pleased to hear that you, uh, you, I was pleased to hear you plug the peaceful, prayerful protest in Boston. Uh, He says, uh, I plan, I plan to be there along with some members of the Catholic Crossbearers Motorcycle Ministry. We belong to Christ the King, our chapters in Massachusetts. Uh, We have some writers and members coming up, up from Florida to join us. We will be wearing our colors and looking forward to engaging in this peaceful protest with rosaries, blessed salt, and holy water. Uh, the church militant is in force. Thank you for raising awareness of this event. And he said, and keep playing that beautiful rendition of Our Lady Guadalupe on Fridays. <laughs> yep, so you're going to have some Catholic bikers out there praying with y'all. Uh, they're called the Catholic Crossbearers Motorcycle Ministry. There's uh, so many people that I know that keep emailing me and texting me that are going to be out there participating this weekend in this peaceful, prayerful rally in front of the Satanic Conference. God bless you guys for what you do. By the way, before I go to the gospel of the day, I just want to mention something that's uh, disturbing. Yes, disturbing. I'm looking at a at an article here. It has a statue. Supposedly, it's a statue of a fully nude, bearded man, breastfeeding a baby placed outside Denmark's former woman's museum. You can't make this stuff up. The statue of this naked man is supposed to be a self-portrait by sculpture Ascii Krylgaard. The museum is located in Erhes. It changed its name from the Women's Museum to Gender Museum Denmark in February 2021. According to the website, it's one of the few museums in the world focusing on gender and equality. And so the statue was placed of this bearded man uh, breastfeeding a baby. This is this without a doubt. This statue of a breastfeeding man is a pedof- is, is a pedophile's dream. This is exactly what it is. A statue of a fully nude bearded man breastfeeding a baby placed outside the Denmark's former women's museum. God help us. Talk about diabolical disorientation. Also, the UN report calls for decriminalizing child sex abuse. Yep, can't make this stuff up. A shocking report issued by international legal experts with the backing of the United Nations appears to open the floodgates to normalize the sexual abuse of minors. Sexual conduct involving persons below the domestically prescribed minimum age of consent to sex may be consensual, in fact, if not in law, said the Geneva-based International Commission of Jurists. They wrote this in March with an assist from the Office of the United Nations, the High Commissioner of Human Rights. Uh, if, 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 we, if people don't believe what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19... It says the whole world is under the power of the devil. These two news items that I just shared with you, if if that doesn't prove my case, I don't know what does. But let's not forget, it doesn't end here. It ends with the second coming of Christ. And as Catholics, come what may, we're called to bring in the, the social reign of Christ the King. It doesn't matter what happens. Our goal is to fight for the for the for to bring in the social reign of Christ the King. Let me read today's gospel. 
John chapter 6, verse 35 to 40. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Jesus said to the crowds, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. But I told you that although you have, that although you have seen me, you do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and I will not reject anyone who comes to me, because I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will, the will of the one who sent me, that I should not lose anything of what he gave me, but that I should raise it on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have eternal life, and I shall raise Him on the last day, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Catholics have a particular advantage. We're able to see the Son of God every single day. If you go to Holy Mass, and when the priest raises the sacred host, which has now been transubstantiated into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Every single Catholic sees the Son of God every day if you go to Holy Mass every day. And guess what? You're fulfilling what our Lord said here. He says, everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have eternal life and I shall raise Him up on the last day. Catholics have an advantage. Now, in, in John chapter 6, Jesus Christ, He's not speaking metaphorically. He knows uh, when Jesus proposed metaphors, he knew quite well how to adapt his language so as to be understood without doubt. For example, when he says, like, I am the door, uh, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved in John chapter 10, verse 9. That's a metaphor. He's not a door. He's not a fit. Or when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit in John chapter 15, verse 5. Well, he's not a literal vine, but it's a, it's a metaphor. So when he made these comparisons, I'm a door on the vine, he spoke in metaphors. Uh, but when he spoke about take and eat, this is my body, Matthew 26, 26, uh, this is what I give you and, you, and you, what will you do in receiving it? You receive eternal life. These are the words of Jesus Christ. I am the bread of life. Uh, Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. This is my body. This is my blood. Think about this. Who can speak in such a manner except the one who is the God-man? Only the God-man can make such a statement. Who can make himself be believed except the one to whom, to whom uh, he says something and it happens instantly? Why? Because he's God. And so as Catholics, when the priest says the body of of Christ and the faithful respond amen in, in the Novus Ordo Mass or, or so be it and uh, remember it's already been accomplished just be silent tilt your head back stick out your tongue just believe and adore that's all you have to do believe and adore we'll be back the Terry and Jesse show up next we're going to talk about rampant homelessness in America Blue Collar Catholic Radio. My name is Jesse Romero. President Trump, he's unveiling a homeless plan to ban urban camping. Yep, former President Trump, he unveiled a strategy for dealing with big city homelessness. 
promising that if he's elected, he will ban urban camping and suggesting the effort could be financed by diverting money from the Ukraine war against Russia to help the people here in America instead. I think that's a great idea. Can you imagine? Uh, That's what I call uh, make America great policy. How about putting America first and uh, and minding our own business and let Russia and Ukraine uh, settle their problems? We're not the world's policemen. We've got our own problems here. We've got our own corruption in this country. We need to take care of our own homeless here. We have enough people here that are living in the streets uh, and we're dumping billions of dollars in an endless war over in Ukraine and Russia. It's gonna, it'll be an endless war like Afghanistan, like Iraq, like the Middle East. That's what the Uniparty does. But the agenda for issues related to homelessness, homelessness, mental illness, and drug addiction was posted by the Trump campaign site, Make America Great Again. And in a video speech from the former president posted Monday on Rumble, here's what he said, quote, our first consideration should be the rights and safety of the hardworking, law-abiding citizens of America who make our society function. Here, 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 here. <laughs> Put Americans first. Wow, what a novelty. Trump said, quote, when I'm back in the White House, we will use every tool, lever, and authority to get the homeless off our streets. We want to take care of them, but they have to be off of our streets, close quote. Trump continued by saying, there's, quote, there's nothing compassionate about letting these individuals live in filth and squalor rather than getting them the help that they need. Trump said, we need professionals to help them for a small fraction of what we spend upon Ukraine. We could take care of every homeless veteran in America. Our veterans are being treated horribly, Trump said. Likewise, with all the money we save by by ending mass unskilled migration, we will have a huge dividend to address this crisis in our own country. Trump said, under my strategy, working with, with states, we will ban urban camping whenever possible, he said. According to Trump, the Trump campaign, the former president said if, return, if he returns to the White House in 2024, he would open large parcels of inexpensive land, bring in doctors, psychiatrists, social workers, and drug rehab, rehab specialists, and create 10 cities where the homeless can be relocated and their problems identified. He also says he wants to bring back mental institutions to house and rehabilitate the severely mentally ill or the dangerously deranged. So in this video, Trump declared, quote, this strategy will be far better than, and, and, and also far less expensive than spending vast sums of taxpayer money to house the homeless in luxury hotels without addressing their underlying issue, close quote. And, he, and Trump finally said, this is how I will end the scourge of homelessness and make our cities clean and safe and beautiful once again, he vowed. <clears throat> there's a li- somebody who listens to the show named Jose Tamayo. He listens to the show all the time. And he's sent me two emails in the last year about his encounters with homeless people. He takes the, the Union Station, the, the Union Station Metro to go to work every morning. Here's what he, he typed. He sent me. Uh, he sent me this email. He says, 
Uh, Union Station going to work this morning, and as usual, the train was crowded with unpaying homeless people. Well, it was a little more crowded. It was it was a little crowded more more than usual this morning. So I so I selected a corner of the train with several homeless young men sleeping in close proximity. I began praying my rosary as usual, as I always start my morning prayer with our Blessed Mother. And about the middle of the first decade, one of the homeless guys in front of me woke up. Almost immediately, he became very agitated. He was trashing around. Right? I think he meant to say thrashing. He, he was thrashing around in the two seats he occupied. He would laugh out loud, usually looking at me and was mimicking me making the sign of the cross. It looked as though he was trying to get the attention of other homeless people on the train to join in his attack as he kept looking around. Well, I finished my rosary with my St. Michael prayer and he started to calm a little but was still agitated and maintained a mocking posture. I broke out my phone with my deliverance prayer app and prayed a perimeter prayer somewhat louder and he immediately went quiet and he was quiet for the rest of the trip to Union Station. The perimeter prayer, yeah, he's, yeah, he says the perimeter prayer and 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 rose and the rosary was victorious again <laughs> through the intercession, through the intercession of our Blessed Mother and Saint Michael. A lot of darkness in Los Angeles and getting darker. He said, "I saw Satanists walking openly on the street last Thursday, dressed in all black, with a pentagram necklace and an upside-down crucifix and an upside-down crucifix necklace. He may have been a priest of some kind, the way he was dressed. Anyways, uh, uh, I'll see you at the spiritual warfare conference, which, which he attended. He wrote me another email. Same thing. These these are his <laughs> uh, his encounters with homeless people." in the streets of LA going to work every day. So Jose Tamayo sent me this other email. It says it happened again, spiritual warfare on a Metro rail, homeless uh, on a Metro, on a Metro train, a homeless guy got on the train and started violently cussing at everyone using the N word against black people on the train. I mean, he was really agitated, really angry. I was in the middle of still finishing my rosary and he sat down right behind me and he drove away some people around me and sat right behind me cussing and threatening everyone. I broke out my blessed salt and I sprinkled it around me and I even sprinkled it beh- behind me where he was sitting. I guess he didn't see it. Maybe he did see it, but immediately he went quiet and at the next stop he got off the train. It was amazing. But then again, not so amazing because our Blessed Mother and the Lord intervened immediately. And maybe my guardian angel and St. Michael, uh, but but this really happened two days ago. <laughs> wow. The encounters of Jose Tomayo on the streets of Los Angeles. I'll tell you why there's so many homeless people. Let's just get down to it. The, the reason that there's so many homeless people is... Uh, and by the way, a, a lot of these, it's because of, it's because of the breakdown of the family. Homelessness is directly proportional to the breakdown of the family. Homelessness, homelessness, quite simple. It's simply due to high divorce rates or irresponsible men who impregnate women and leave them with children. In other words, We have so many homeless people because we have so many broken homes without a father and, and, and marriage is held in contempt. 
by the secular society. Nobody wants to get be committed in a lifelong marriage to somebody from the opposite sex. That's old-fashioned. But guess what? This is what God left us, and this is how children grow up to be well-adjusted and well-ordered and people of faith. Here's something interesting. I was looking up at a website last night. Black Americans make up 13% of the U.S. population, okay? But they make up, they make up more than 40% of the nation's homeless population. Let me repeat that again. Black Americans make up 13% of the U.S. population, but they make up more than 40% of the nation's homeless population. Why is that? It's simple. It's what I just told you. The higher the divorce rate, the higher, uh, the, higher the rate of fatherlessness amongst individual communities, you're going to have more homeless people coming out of those communities. Wherever you see high rate of divorce, high rate of fatherlessness, you're going to see a high rate of those young people coming out of those households that are going to be homeless. And truth be told, in the black community, they have, in, in fact, three out of four blacks are born uh, in OBGYN hospitals without the benefit of a father. Only one out of four black women that's giving birth has an intact family unit, a nuclear family with a husband and a father for her children. Three out of four don't. And so it's not a wonder that more blacks are homeless. It's it's directly proportionate to the breakdown of the family, high divorce rates and irresponsible men who impregnate women and leave them. What's the answer? The Catholic faith. People who practice the Catholic faith and listen to the church's moral teachings and surrender themselves to the lordship and kingship of Christ, guess what? Practicing Catholics have a less than 4.5% divorce rate. The uh, Western civilization, it's, uh, it's only going to be revived through the Catholic faith. America will perish without Roman Catholic Christianity that gave us Western civilization. Also, Bill O'Reilly, about two years ago, he did a special on homelessness. It's on YouTube. He said California has about 300,000 homeless people. Eight out of 10 are drug addicts. Eight out of 10 are drug addicts. So yes, many people that are homeless because they want to medicate, self-medicate because of the pain they're in, the emotional pain, the uh, the despondency, the distress, the anger. Uh, the emotional woundedness, they, they medicate with drugs. And so eight out of 10 homeless people are now drug addicts. I know California a couple of years ago, they were thinking of building a 300 acre mega city somewhere in California for California's record homeless. It was going to be a $3 billion project. I don't know where, where California is with that. But uh, I will say that it seems to me, remember, A home is a social unit formed by a family living together in a place. That's what the Catholic Church promotes. But yet our government is doing everything possible to destroy the family by actively promoting abortion, actively promoting same-sex marriage and moral depravity. If you destroy family structures, society is going to fall apart as it's falling apart right now. If you take God and his moral law out of human hearts, guess what? Everything is going to decay. 
homes, especially homes where Christ is king and center of that house, homes keep people from becoming homeless. A healthy family is always the best place to turn in times of trial. And this vital social unit called the family is really the only solution to the scandalous legions of homeless of homelessness found all over the nation, especially in blue states. Hey, I want to talk about next the dark secret behind the drive for electric vehicles. Hmm. Is there something nefarious about electric vehicles? We'll find out. Stick around. Terry and Jesse show, we're too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, (laughs) we would be millionaires. I want to talk now, I want to shift gears and talk about something. I've never given it too much thought. Electric cars. Hmm. I've always had mixed feelings about electric cars, but now I know why. Have you heard about the dark secret behind the drive for electric vehicles? The Biden administration's progressive green energy agenda made electric vehicles, EVs, a key component in the solution to the global climate crisis. The dark underbelly of the electric vehicle industry, however, is a humanitarian crisis of epic proportions in the Congo Basin. Hmm. Tens of thousands of children, and let me add, black children, along with a hundred thousands of art of artisanal workers who are not infi- officially employed by a company, black labor, work for a pittance in dangerous, inhumane conditions, mining the minerals and metals required for EV production. Hmm. Sounds to me like Jim Crow laws once again under the Democrats. That's what it looks like to me. Rarely in history has the practice of preying on the weak been so severe, generated such profit, and touched the lives of so many. Every level of the chain is preying on some of the poorest and most heavily exploited people in the world. This is an African humanitarian catastrophe. And this is a price global superpowers are more than willing to pay. Yep, the haves versus the have-nots. Um, what's his uh, name? Um, Sololinsky would be happy to see that his philosophy is now mainstream, is now international. You know, the Catholic faith, paragraph 1867, we have a catechetical tradition that talks about the four sins that cry to heaven. One of the worst sins of the four sins that cry to heaven, one of them is injustice to the wage earner. And that's exactly what these global superpowers are doing to the Africans in the Congo. Hey, 
But forget about slave labor. <laughs> you better recharge your car. The end is near, right? Governments and companies alike justify the heavy toll being borne by African miners and their African children by the scale of the perceived climate threat. Increasingly, climate change activists and their political acolytes have argued in apocalyptic terms like Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York. She warned back in 2019, she said this, quote, the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. Wow. That means according to Ocasio-Cortez, the world's going to, it's going to uh, end in 2031. Then we have the other climate alarmist. I don't know why anybody listens to her. Greta Thunberg. That same year in 2019, she said, quote, Around 2030, we will be in a position to set off an, an irreversible chain reaction beyond human control that will lead to the end of our civilization as we know it. Close quote. What are they doing? What's the media doing by promoting Greta Thunberg as an expert and Ocasio-Cortez an expert? That's called PSYOPs. There's, that's psychological operation. Brainwashing. The, the, the liberal media... Six billionaires own 95% of the media. So they put people over and over again in a loop to psyops us. It's called psychological engineering, psychological operation of the brain by giving misinformation and disinformation constantly. Ocasio-Cortez and Greta Thunberg, they're not scientists. They don't speak with any authority on climate change. Why does anybody take these two women serious? They're not experts in science. <laughs> Welcome to clown world. The 2030 deadline given to us by Greta Thunberg is a joke. As the Bible says in Matthew 24, 36, our Lord says, nobody knows the day or the hour when civilization will end. Taking a cue from Thunberg's careful analysis, the Biden administration has pledged to cut greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030 as part of that effort, the president issued an executive order that half of all new car sales in the U.S. will be electric vehicles by that date, by 2030. So the government is forcing us to buy electric cars. That's the definition of socialism. Government ownership of all means of production. That's the definition of socialism. Welcome to Biden's world. The private res uh, sector responded in kind. According to Political, in just nine years, 78% of sedans, 68% of pickups, and 62% of crossovers and SUVs could be battery-powered. American automakers, Ford and General Motors, claim they will stop manufacturing gas-powered vehicles entirely by 2035. This is crony capitalism, which is the granting of political favors by the government to one's friends, cronies, at the expense of the rights of others. Americans can already feel the pinch in their wallets as these electric vehicle prices have consistently remained higher than gas-powered cars. And in a cheery promotional piece called The Nerd's Guide to Biden's News EV Push, close quote, political promotes purported benefits of the top-down EV diktat Consumer savings on fuel, less frequent maintenance, and of course, federal kickbacks. 
buyers, at least those who can afford a brand new electric vehicle, can also take moral satisfaction in knowing they're reducing oil imports and air pollution as they do their part to reduce their environmental footprint. Unbelievable. You know, the left majors on the miners, they they want to feel good about themselves. And so the left embraces these politically correct issues to bolster their self-esteem. Dennis Prager calls this psychological masturbation. So what is a truly sustainable solution? While advocates of the environment of the electric vehicles emphasize zero emission, electric vehicles are anything but a renewable source. The so-called green energy shift away from fossil fuels replaces them with metals and minerals as primary inputs, and that means new big business. Yep, the top-selling electric vehicles of 2022 from Tesla, Ford, Volkswagen, Kia, Hyundai, and Chevy are all powered on lithium-ion batteries. Their chemistry depends on five critical minerals, according to a congressional report, and this is potentially at risk for disruption. Of these, cobalt has garnered the most scrutiny for moral and economic issues related to its sourcing. But the fact remains, Biden's 2030 deadline depends on a massive amount of cobalt, and to meet the demands of the European Union and the United States' aggressive green energy regulations, the International Energy Agency estimates that global cobalt production, currently at 170,000 metric tons, must triple in the, in the next six years. So where will it come from? Well, cobalt supply chains can pass through many different hands, but almost all of them have a source in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Just five countries supply 80% of the world's cobalt, and the Democratic Republic of Congo accounts for about 70 and 75% of all cobalt distributed globally. So, the Wilson Center places the estimates higher. Of the 255,000 Congolese mining for cobalt, 40,000 are children, African children, some as young as six years old. Much of the work is informal, small-scale mining in which laborers earn less than $2 per day while using their own tools, primarily their hands. Once again, paragraph 1867, uh, the four sins that cry to heaven, injustice to the wage earner. So what's happening here? Well, they're going to expose children already living in abject poverty to dangerous working conditions where accidents are common. Needless to say, these African children have no access to a local OSHA compliance officer. The ethics of cobalt sourcing extends beyond the electric vehicle industry. The cobalt is also vital to smartphones, tablets, and laptop batteries. In 2019, international right advocates filed a suit against Apple, Google, Tesla, Dell, and Microsoft on behalf of 14 Congolese families. The companies they claimed failed to regulate their supply chains and instead profited from exploitation. There are no signs of slowing down, by the way. None of these ethical concerns. There's an unholy alliance between uh, the Democrat Party, the United Nations to get these Africans to do this slave labor. None of these ethical concerns have slowed Western elites, their eagerness to force ordinary citizens to participate in this uh, electric vehicle revolution. The United States and its allies continue to support the Democrat Republic of Congo, with which impunity allows its workers to be exploited by foreign companies, perpetrates mass killings, cracks down on dissent, and has a mass displacement crisis. 
But the Congo holds the key to Biden's and the European Union's aggressive net zero timelines. As journalist notes, whoever occupies Eastern Congo has access to unbelievable wealth and global influence. The 2030 deadline infuses American dependence on cobalt with a particularly ugly willingness to get it by whatever means necessary. If a few hundred thousand Africans have to suffer and die to fuel a first world energy revolution, so be it. As with any technological shift, the energy revolution should be a ground-up test of human ingenuity and inventiveness. That model of social progress, however, requires time, virtue, acuity, and, and freedom, resources the Biden administration has in short supply. As Malcolm X said in 1965, he died. He was a black Muslim leader. He said, the white liberal is the worst enemy to America and the worst enemy to the black man. <laughs> Guess what? He's absolutely right. This slave labor in Congo to further our electric cars in the U.S. is another example of white liberal Democrats exploiting Africans. Hmm, does that surprise you? Nope. Biden represents the party of slavery, secession, segregation, and Jim Crow laws. That doesn't surprise me at all. Up next, Church Militant gives us an update on church news, politics, and the culture. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. want to welcome uh, Church Militant to the Terry and Jesse Show. Fellow culture warriors, uh, fellow evangelizers, fellow defenders of the faith. And it's a pleasure to have... Uh, uh, somebody from Church Militant every single Wednesday to give us an update on church news, politics, and the culture. What's going on, my friend? What's uh, what's on the news cycle? What's trending? Oh, yeah, Jesse. So I don't know if you heard uh, Kevin Cardinal Kevin Farrell's announcement about a new document that's going to come out from the Vatican sometime soon. I don't, it didn't give a specific date or anything, but about the issue of the divorced and civilly remarried. And so I, we, we don't know, there weren't many details given about that. I mean, I know that's something that's been on a lot of people's minds is what are they doing with that? Because there's been a lot of talk about, you know, uh, communion being given to these people who are, you know, for all intents and purposes, still in a validly sacramental marriage. But apart from that, and now they're by human law married to someone else. So it's a, it's a big hot button issue. Yep, it's uh, it's probably going to borrow some of the footnotes from a Morris Letizia, which uh, opened the door to that type of uh, what's called speculative theology. But it's not even speculative; it's just wrong. It just it goes against the perennial teachings of the church, and that's you know that's one of the beautiful things about being Catholic. Even when some modernist teaches something novel, you can always say, "Okay," as Saint Vincent of Lorraine says. What has the church taught everywhere, always, and to everyone? And that's what, that's yeah. what I want. I think that's what you guys at Church Milton keep telling people, and, and at Virgin Most Powerful, we keep telling Catholics, slow down, guys. Remember, we believe what the church has taught everywhere, to everybody, and every place at all times. And so this, this uh, was he a cardinal that you just mentioned? Yeah, Cardinal, Cardinal Kevin Farrell, he's the prefect for the uh, dicastery for laity, family, and life, and they're the ones who are going to, you know, make this document. And so, yeah, it's it's something that, 
The, the church is very definitive on this. I, I don't I I don't see what they can possibly try to say about it because I mean a person who is in a sacramental marriage, but with someone else is objectively committing adultery, whether it's something that they want to recognize or not. They are objectively doing it, and we we would be further damning their soul by giving them the Lord and allowing them to receive him in communion to their detriment. You know, something I see that's similar uh, from the, ca- the Catholic left and the political left. The political left would love to shred the, the Constitution. That's what they're trying to do. Uh, they, they, they at least ignore it, but they would like to get rid of it altogether. The Catholic left would like to get rid of sacred scripture. And some of them have already said, they've actually said, uh, we need to change the catechism. We need to change the Bible or the Bible's wrong, as Father James Martin and others have said. And so both of them, thanks be to God that we have documents that are binding, you know, as as Americans, the Constitution, uh, as as Catholics, the Holy Bible, uh, and, and and the various catechisms in the Catholic Church. But boy, oh boy, the woke left in the church they will stop at nothing to try to change, uh, to, to change the church's doctrines, but I think what upsets them is that it's written and 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 it's accessible to any Catholic. They can just say, "Wait a minute, what does the church teach about this? Wait a minute, that bishop, that cardinal, he's just wrong." Here's what the catechism says. So, uh, thanks be to God that we have these texts that we can rely on and the sacred tradition of the church. Which, uh, which is, again, it's, it's also the Word of God, and it's binding upon our conscience, right? Yeah, and, and a God who assures us that the gates of hell will not prevail. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, something could happen with America, everything could get destroyed, Constitution could be, you know, null and void. That's just, that's, that's what happens with worldly institutions. But the church itself, like God, assures us that she will always be perfect. Her doctrine will not be able to be changed to reflect evil. And so we, we have that great assurity that's, that's promised to us from above. Yeah, you're right. Matthew 16, 18, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Uh, and we, we have to hold on to that because although it seems like, whoa, they're coming pretty close, we have to hold to the promises of Christ. So what else is trending, my friend? What else is on, is on the news? Yeah, so today it was actually announced that, so, we, you know, the Synod of Bishops is coming up in October, the whole Synod on Synodality thing. It's finally coming to the meeting of the bishops before it was just the preparatory documents and the listening sessions and all that, but now we're having the actual shebang. And they announced today that they're getting rid of auditors, so these people who would just sit there and listen, like more lay people and all who would be invited to listen, but they couldn't vote or have a, a real say. But now they're getting rid of that, and they're going to add 70 people who are a mix of different cultures able to come in and vote. And they want half of them to be women, and they're encouraging young people in as well. I don't know what they mean by young people specifically, but giving the laity a role, it just it hasn't had. Yeah, amen. Uh, yeah, this is... Uh... We as Catholics have to remember that there's the clergy from the tabernacle to the altar rail. That's the domain, the dominion of the, of the clergy, doctrine, dogma, liturgy. Uh, but from the altar rail to the streets, that's basically the domain of the lay people. And so we have to under, 
we have to understand that Vatican II didn't call lay people to become little clerics. Vatican II didn't say, hey, go be a lecturer. Hey, go be an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion. Hey, run around the sanctuary with the key to the tabernacle. That's not what Vatican II called for. Okay, The church has called us as lay people to, to go out and make disciples, which is what Church Milton does and what we do, and also to sanctify the temporal order. We've got to get involved uh, in our communities, in our cities, uh, and, and as, as messy as politics is, we have to go and try to find people of goodwill out there. And there are people of goodwill that are not necessarily Catholic uh, that track in the same direction that we do. Uh, we have to support them with our time, our talent, and our treasure, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's that, and that's that's a, a thing that people have been so mistaken about. Is you know, it, this was the first time really in Vatican II where it was really spelled out what the what the role of the laity is, yeah. and we we've kind of just still overlooked that. It's we are the ones like that is why at the end of Mass we are being dismissed out into the world to go bring Jesus to the world. It's not. It's, the Mass isn't just this thing we do once a week, and we just go there. We praise God, of course. We adore Him, and then we just leave and do our own thing. No, we, we adore Him to get that strength from Him to bring Him physically out into the world. And that's that's what these people are neglecting. I, I, I would not want to be someone out there voting at a synod of bishops. I, I want these men who it is their job to tell us, you know, this is the way of the church. This I, I don't want to go be a, a commander in the Navy SEALs right now and just go go overlook a, a SEAL team mission or something. I would That'd be a horrible idea, be, and it's going to be a horrible idea to have these people, particularly lay women, people, women who have, who have never had this, this governance in the church ever, and to, to give them this power to really affect. And so the thing we have to remember with this is that these, whatever document is passed at the Synod has no real weight. It would have to be promulgated by the Holy Father as saying, hey, this is something that everyone has to do now or something like he has to take this, this extra step. It, it's more of an advisor, advisory documents and all, but it's still, it's, it's still something and it's still something that we shouldn't have. Exactly. You know, so I, I see the German bishops today the spirit of Martin Luther, that spirit of rebellion, uh, it's uh, it's prevalent in, in our German, in most of the German bishops today. Not all of them, obviously, but most of them, the spirit of Luther is not dead. It's it's alive and well. Uh, what else is trending, my friend? Yeah, so we have today, we introduced our interview for the Vortex today. Um, it was with the two writers and directors of the movie Nefarious. And I watched it. A, so good. Yeah. A, and uh, the Exorcist, that uh, that's a friend of theirs. So we had that one today, and tomorrow, tomorrow's vortex will be our interview with Sean Patrick Flannery, the man who played Nefarious. And so we have those two interviews back to back about about a very very powerful movie that just does such a great job of exposing what the demonic is really like. And it wasn't, you know, it's it's not this. Um, cringy Christian movie that we're used to whenever people put out movies and with with all the best intentions but it just doesn't match up to what the Hollywood spectacles that are but this did such a great job of being able to reach everyone and really I mean in a good way strike the fear into your heart to sit there and listen to what a demon 
would sound like, what he would say, it, it reminds you very much of, you know, C.S. Lewis, whenever he has the, the two conversations between the demons going back and forth. It's, it's very, it's very, uh, very similar. Uh, every Catholic should watch this movie. It's not, I'll tell you what I liked about this movie versus other movies. The other movies that are coming out are garbage. Don't watch them. Even, even The Pope's Exorcist. I'll tell you yeah. why. Here, here's what's wrong with the other Hollywood movies. The other Hollywood movies, they focus on the phenomena of the demon. Flying through the air, blood through eyeballs, uh, you know, uh, walking on the wall. Hollywood is fascinated with demonic manifestations. But this movie, Nefarious, it's, it's, it's so accurate because they focus on the psychological uh, skill and astuteness and intelligence of the diabolical. This was mind-blowing. The other movies are meant just to get a reaction, make you jump off your seat when you see somebody walking on the wall or blood coming out of their mouth or something. It's, it's, it, they focus on the demon, on the phenomena of demonic manifestations. Not this one. This one focuses on the heart of soul, spiritual warfare, which is a battle for the mind. Yeah, and it, it was it was great that um, I mean, in a sense, it it wasn't you know they didn't try to exercise a demon. They they let it play out. Like what is what is he gonna say? What is he going to do? And just the way I mean, I thought the to, to me the most powerful part was whenever he was talking about abortion. He's like, oh, you know, there's no there's no parallels between you know. Of course, it's just sarcasm. It's, it, there's no parallel between Moloch and child sacrifice and your abortion today. You know, there's there's nothing there. You know, it's it's just so chilling to hear, especially for people who would be okay with abortion. Yep, it shows that abortion, euthanasia, and all these uh, woke issues come from Satan himself. All right, my friend Nick, we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot, brother. God bless you. God Keep bless the faith. You, hey, well, that's a wrap. <clears throat> As Catholics, live in a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. We serve a 12-star gentle. Be not afraid. Pray your rosary every day. Read the Mass readings every day. By, by praying, you wound, inflict, and, and torment and drive demons away from you and your family. Let's unite our prayers to the heel of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Let's unite our prayers to the sword of St. Michael the Archangel. And let's continue delivering death blows to the kingdom of darkness and tear down the gates of hell, which are modernism, Marxism, and masonry. God bless you. Keep the faith. Viva Cristo Rey.